everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have a beautiful episode for you today with my dear friend, Gabriella Taylor. We are going to talk about calling in extraordinary love or experiencing extraordinary love in the relationship that you're in. I really think you're going to love this episode. I'll tell you more about Gabriella in a moment. First, I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors called BetterHelp. I recommend to a lot of people that working with a licensed professional counselor or therapist would be a good next step. And I know a lot of you may resonate with that, but you're unsure of where to start. Well, BetterHelp makes it easy to connect with a licensed professional counselor, caring professional specializing in the issues that you want to talk about. You can join BetterHelp and get help at your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video and phone sessions or text your therapist worldwide, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's a truly affordable option, and my podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code over it. So if you've been wanting to talk to a therapist, you can get started right now. Go to betterhelp.com slash over it. Simply fill out the questionnaire and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash over it and use the discount code over it for 10% off your first month. So I wanted to have Gabriella on the show because so many people, especially women, ask me about calling in extraordinary love and relationship challenges are a subject that come up a lot on the show. And Gabriella is truly an expert at this. In my single years, I experienced a lot of dating coaches, especially a lot of female dating coaches. Either I hired them myself or I bought their courses, male and females. And quite frankly, I found a lot of them pushy. Like, do this, do this, change your profile. Don't be so masculine. But the whole thing kind of seemed masculine to me. And it was all about the outcome. It was all about getting the guy. And it lacked depth quite honestly, which is why I became my own dating coach and turned to my friends, particularly Gabriella, about how to really call an extraordinary love. And watching her relationship with Nicholas was so inspiring to me about the love that I wanted to call in. And she was such a stand for me in calling in the love of my life. And so I wanted to share her with you. And she's got an incredible program that we talk about in the show called Foundations of Extraordinary Love that I highly recommend. It's an eight-week transformational online program for a small group of conscious women, whether single or in relationship. Like I said, for women who want to call in a relationship or want to experience more extraordinary love in their relationship. It starts soon though. We talk about the dates in the show. So definitely listen to this episode in full now and take action quickly. Because if there's anyone that can support you in calling an extraordinary love, uh, Gabriella can. So let me tell you a little bit about her. We don't get too much into her story in this episode. So I wanted to share a little of her bio. Gabriella Taylor is a huge stand for creating a new model for conscious relationship where women are empowered and men are deeply appreciated. It all began after an overdose that led to a coma, which led to a spiritual awakening, which led to her buying an oversized L.L. Bean backpack and a one-way ticket to Spain for $300, which began a solo pilgrimage around the world at a time before emails or cell phones. Unbeknownst to her at the time, Gabriella started her career in India in 1994, where she began immersing herself in the art of healing and transforming consciousness with herself 
as her first true test subject. She dove into deconstructing her entire relationship paradigm and figured out how to build a new one, which allowed her to recover from the pain of past sexual abuse, crippling anxiety attacks, and fear of abandonment. This process helped her find herself and repair her mistrust with men. As a high school dropout with a high IQ, she went on to earn her master's degree in spiritual psychology. She developed extraordinary love transformational educational programs beginning in 2005. Now, as a relationship specialist and professional coach, she spends her time serving a handful of highly committed private clients, creates personalized retreats in Hawaii, and leads people through the journey of extraordinary love, which is a sacred developmental educational process that a person moves through in order to grow up and show up for love. And I want to read you this. Gabriella wrote this. So this is in her words. In essence, I've binged and I've purged, been abused and misused, been locked up and on lockdown. I've hooked up and been stood up, messed around and settled down. I've begged and pleaded, cried and cheated, chanted and prayed, and I know what it takes to rise. Enjoy my conversation with Gabriella and learn more about her program at foundationsofextraordinarylove.com. And I'll put that all in the show notes for you. Gabriella, my longtime friend and soul sister, I'm so happy to have you here on the show. Likewise. It's always a joy to be with you. <laughs> and we have something that's close to both of our hearts to talk about today, which is helping women find or deepen an extraordinary love. And I know this is something that you're incredibly committed to and passionate about helping women find and experience, either helping women find a relationship or experience extraordinary love in the relationship that they're in. I'd love for you to share with my listeners, because we have a lot of women who listen and a lot of women who would raise their hand if I said who would like to experience <laughs> extraordinary love and sometimes have a hard time finding it. How did this become your passion and your mission? It became my passion and mission in a way in, in, through the path of pain. My experience early on was one of a tremendous amount of pain, of confusion, of sexual abuse, of mm. growing up at a time when with significant eating disorders where I thought that I needed to morph my body to be lovable to a man. And so really what lent me the, my fervor and de dedication to this journey is knowing what it took me to go through this process of not only putting myself back together, but I didn't have a sense of, a core sense of self to begin with, with men. So learning how to connect the dots inside of myself. So that way I didn't lose myself in love. I didn't give myself away. I wasn't plagued with chronic anxiety or watching myself adapt myself around who I thought he wanted me to be instead of being or saying or acting in ways that were true for me. So really through the agony of being, of living like that, being like that, simultaneously having a really strong calling in my heart where I knew I was made for love. So it was the path of pain that forged me into, into this journey for sure. Mm. So I know a lot of people can relate to what you said and they're thinking, well, how, how <laughs> that was a lot, right. Morphing yeah. yourself into what you thought men wanted, looking to men for validation, like all the things that you said. And I know the how is not a five-step formula, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I know it's not, I did this and then I did this and then it was all fixed, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about your experience of, of how you've gotten to this place. I mean, you're in an incredible relationship now. Mm -hmm. You're at peace with 
because I know you as a friend, <laughs> you, you have extraordinary love within yourself and you've overcome, oh my gosh, you know, knowing your story, you've overcome so much. So how, what were some of the key things that helped you do that? Some of the key things for me, and I agree, while there's no linear five-step process to like completely transform our life from the inside out, what I have found through my own experience is that there are predictable stages that a woman goes through that I went through and that I see lots of other women's going through as we really learn to mature ourselves and grow up so we can show up for love. So for example, some of the hows for me were I, where I really learned how to stop fighting the fight. So what I mean by that is for so long, I felt a fight with love. Like I felt this fight inside of myself of where is he? Or why does this feel so hard? Or like I was resisting the challenges. So for me, by shifting my relationship to the challenges into one where I got curious and soften my heart towards where I was struggling. That's one how. Another how is I really dove into, I called it my laboratory of love. And it was a about a year-long process that I dedicated myself to exploring how I was relating to men, what were the stories that I was telling myself about men, how I was behaving on dates when I was dating at the time. And I really started watching, like, what's the inner narrative that I tell myself? Like, what what is the story that I have? And I used to have the story that said men would always leave me. Mm. So the how, for me, one of the hows was looking at what is the story I'm telling myself? And then how can I connect with the truer, deeper story, which is, you know, the universe is organizing around my experience of love in all ways. And then how can I start embodying and behaving in ways that really, that, that animate this new story? And can you talk about the stages, the predictable stages that women go through? Oh, for sure. So some of the predictable stages, what I found is that one that I was saying, like we have to, if, if we are experiencing any level of repetitive frustration, confusion, heartbreak, you know, relationships, repetitive relationships where it might be a different base, but the same dynamic. If we're experiencing any level of consistent chronic challenge in our experiences in loving relationship, that 100% of the time links to some level of a core misbelief about ourselves, our worthiness, our lovability, or others. Meaning we tend to turn it. So one of the stages is looking at what is the story that we're telling ourselves? What is this belief that we're carrying that undermines this calling that we have in our heart? So a stage is to really surface and make visible this old story. Because for a lot of women in particular that are involved in personal development work, we've actually created these blind spots and cognitive shields that prevent us from seeing this deeper story because we have a lot of sophistication where, you know, we've been in therapy, we're getting coaching, we know what our issues are. And yet that might create a shield of protection that separates us from how much we're still being animated by this old story. So stage one is really looking at the old story. Okay. So I just want to pause because yeah. that last part is, is super important, <laughs> super intricate and deep. And that's the thing yes. about you, Gabriella, you do not swim in the shallow end. That's probably why we're friends. Uh, <laughs> True. Thank God for that. <laughs> I know. So my listeners definitely do personal growth. Mm-hmm. They, you know, in all the coaching episodes of the show, very often I'm linking something that's showing up in their present day reality to their past, an issue with their parent, an issue with something that happened in schooling. And so 
a lot of people are aware of the more, we'll say quote unquote, obvious issues. Like my dad left my family when I was three, I have abandonment issues. I'm afraid all men are going to leave me. So that's, that's a pretty, you know, that's not one that you'd have a blind spot about. That'd be pretty easy to connect. So can you give me an example of what you were just talking about of what, did, what was the word you use? Cognitive what? Cognitive shields. Cognitive, cognitive shields. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Give me an example of one of those that, you know, someone who may be super aware may have a blind spot about. Yeah. So let's say using that example, my dad left me, so I have this fear of abandonment. So what may be actually showing up now that she might not be aware of is subtle ways that she either calls in men that will perpetuate that story that are not available for one reason for another. But underneath that, that might be shielding an unconscious ambivalence in her where she's not even certain that either that she can get close to someone, that mm. she can tolerate the pain of loss if there's this unconscious belief he's going to go away. And from there, she's probably sending out signals or she's bypassing red flags in meaning she's meeting men. There are probably some red flags that say that he's, I call it danger zone dating, but he might, <laughs> they might be in danger zone dating territory, but she might bypass them and keep, keep opening her heart to someone who will likely leave her. So, so in one of, in this case, it's really looking at how are we behaving? What are the signals that we're, we're sending off? What are the shields around our heart? Because in, mm -hmm. in that example as well, we adapt these coping mechanisms and the coping yeah. mechanisms are either we collapse ourselves and lose ourselves into the other, or we keep, you know, a football field length distance from our yeah. hearts because of there's fear in here. Well, let's use me as an example. So you're such I'm, a good I, example. <laughs> no, you're I'm actually example. talking about you're using example my, of miracles. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, let's use my issues as let's use my cognitive shields as okay. A, make it really real for people. Got it. So I definitely fell into the category of being very aware. You know, not just. I mean, it's what I do. So yeah. I, I'm, you know, see blocks in people. I could definitely see blocks in myself. And so a big part of my frustration, I can remember so many times sitting at your house, um, just going, I'm so ready. I've done the work. Why isn't he showing up? And there, you know, that the more obvious blocks like past pain that I've worked through, um, bringing in more emotionally unavailable men, because I wasn't emotionally available. And that was some of my issues in the past with other people. Like a lot of those things had been worked through to some extent, mm -hmm. but the, the deeper level that I hadn't really gotten to, which I'm now like even working through in my relationship was almost like a fear of uh, like losing the identity I had established for so long. Mm -hmm. And so would that be an example of a cognitive shield? I think that's a fantastic example because yeah. in, in that identity, there were, there were probably ways that you weren't really able to even expand and open to a new identity exactly. that actually let in the love that you're now experiencing. Exactly. Cause I was so identified as a single conscious entrepreneurial. I've got it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of all together. I don't need anyone, but I want someone in my life. And I had to, the big shift for me was realizing that was there and then actually letting myself say, I need a man. Mm -hmm. Like not yes. that's not weak. Yes. Because 
you know, in order to get to the level I wanted to get to in my own life and, and consciousness and to experience extraordinary love and to have the family I want to have and all those things, I need a man. And I think so many conscious, strong women think that's so taboo to say. Yeah. It's a fair word, you know, to say I need a man. But what I'm learning, especially in, in heterosexual relationships, when feminine women want a strong masculine man actually becoming quote unquote needy in a healthy way is, is more about vulnerability than it is about weakness. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about, especially regarding taboos, I think, you know, what my sense of what you're, what you're alluding to is one of the greatest still yet misunderstood areas, especially in the world of conscious awakening. It's the reality that our needs are actually indicators of what brings out our best and or needs are pointing us in the direction of something that was unmet long ago that's seeking to get our attention so it can yeah. be completed so we have more of a holistic sense of well-being inside. So in other words, there is so much shame around having needs and women have learned how to adapt by going from being dependent on men to swinging the other way to being hyper-independent. Yeah. And the reality is, is we need each other and to release the shame and the feeling like it's not okay around that is such a part of healing and transformation. Yeah, it's, it's massive. And, and, you know, I'm so glad that I was, thanks to friends like you and my own healers and coaches, I was able, cause that was a humbling thing. Yeah. Cause a lot of times I, I get the feedback of, you know, you're too intimidating or you're too in your masculine and all that was a bunch of baloney. It was really, I was scared. Yeah. I was and- scared. And my scare, like the way that it would manifest for me was kind of the opposite for you, where I had learned how to collapse into other, into the man, morph into the man. So I didn't swing to the hyper independent. If anything, my exercise was learning how to hold my own because I was masterful at being the chameleon of being however, whoever I thought he wanted me to be. So my point of growth was learning how to honor my needs by having a voice, by saying no, by saying, I want this. No, I don't want this. So, so, you know, we represent both ends of the polarity here where we're learning how to meet in the middle, where it's honoring that our needs are actually such a beautiful pathway to our heart. And when we're in our heart as women, and, and what I mean by that is like, taking care of ourselves, taking care of others from the overflow, being kind to ourselves. That's what brings out our best. Yes. So, so much. Okay. So that's, that's stage one. What do you call that stage? What do I call that stage? I call that stage discovering your love story. Because what I, what I found in our love story and the way that I break it down for people in my program, especially my foundations of extraordinary love program is in our love story. It encompasses a couple of parts. One is the story that we tell ourselves about love based on what happened to us. The story of I always, or I never, you know, I always attract unavailable men or I'll never meet the love of my life. So we discover that. Then we link that back to what I call your intimacy model, which is the model that you were shown by your culture, by your caregivers, by your family around you, based on what you saw, what the messages were that you received about love, fidelity, boundaries, communication, honesty, relationship, roles within relationship. And so these, as we start teasing these out from the shadows, we start to connect some dots between how we saw what we saw in the past, messages we received in the past, how it's informed our actual experiences in love, which lead to the I always and I I never. And then lastly, that phase it leads to uncovering what I call our love print. It's the fundamental design or blueprint 
for a relationship that's made of two parts. It's made of the dynamic or the person that we call in on the outer level, on the outer level, and it's coupled with who we become in relationship. And believe it or not, this is actually encoded just like a blueprint for a house. It's encoded within our consciousness. So by by shining the lights on these, up leveling these, that starts creating a lot of freedom. And then the next stage that we move into is really one of emotional development. Uh, because this is key for women. Key. So key. So key. And and why do you think so many women, I don't want to say avoid, maybe are unaware or or scared? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you've all probably- the things like, you know, I'll clean out my side dresser drawer and I'll lose <laughs> yeah. pounds and I'll like get some filler. But like when it comes to <laughs> the work that really draws yeah. in like the most healthy relationship, I, I mean, I would guess it's a combination of just being unaware and, and scared. Unaware, unscared. I mean, unaware, scared. And what I see in our culture at large is most women, we disconnect from ourselves at the time of need, especially when we're having strong emotions. Yeah. So it also reveals what feels like an inability or incapacity. So it's like, here I am walking around in my life, capable, confident, like, you know, 35, 45, 55, whatever. And then hurt feelings arise. I suddenly feel like an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old. I don't know what to do with myself. And these feelings are big because right. our feelings are big. And so we basically feel we either flood with it and we get, you know, tossed out to the sea of emotional flooding. Or like you said, we go decide to like organize our shoes or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. We don't know how to connect with ourselves and turn towards the bigness of our feelings in a way that doesn't re- repeat or um, regroove the, the wound, but in a way that actually has us harnessing that emotional energy in, in a way that creates more connection and intimacy with ourselves and others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's such like a massive thing. And I, I just see so many women and I'd love to, to talk about what you observe too in patterns of either going to workshop after workshop after mm-hmm. workshop, trying to fix herself, um, working, just working, work, 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 and trying to squeeze in a date, um, on from Bumble, like every now and then. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of the pattern of like falling into just the old patterns, like continuing to date the same person with like a, a different face. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's patterns that women in relationship fall into. So let's, let's first talk to the women that are wanting to call a relationship in. And then, then let's talk to women who want to, cause your program's for both. Is it for both? Yeah. Women? It's okay, yeah. single or already in relationship, already. but really what unites is a shared intention to experience like relationship as the sanctuary of heart where it brings yeah. out our best because yeah. my God, all the emotional energy that previously, you know, I know for me that used to go into like emotional drama and like crying to you and being a wreck for days. <laughs> I mean, I laugh and it's like, I feel so much tenderness for that part of myself and for women you know, today that are suffering with that, but all that emotional energy, when it gets routed into actually sharing our gifts in the world and making a positive, you know, difference in the world around us and really just being at ease in ourselves and contributing to the, you know, some total of positive energy on the planet just by being at peace with ourselves is extraordinary. It is. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I fell into the camp of, you know, I'd, I'd mentally, I'd mentally obsess about something, but I would just distract myself Mm -hmm. by working. I would just and I work, would, work, 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 work. I would I'd be like, cry. Yeah, you'd be crying. <laughs> I would I'd just cry. To do something. I'd just be like, 
fuck man, I'm just going to like have an awesome career. (laughs) Bless our hearts. I know. I know. So we all have our way. So, so for the women listening, if you're, if you find yourself, you know, you're in one of those patterns and it's not really getting you the extraordinary love that you want. Gabriella, what would you say would be a step? Like what, what's the step out of it? Yeah, well, one of the steps out of it is for one to recognize that studies show that most Westerners regress to the age of a 12-year-old in terms of emotional maturity when relationship issues come up. <laughs> a 12-year-old. So I would right? say it was lower. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, to me, it was more like seven. Yeah. But like, it's like typically just the baseline that's been documented is about the emotional maturity of a 12-year-old. So I'd say the first step is let's just normalize it, right? Like it's okay. It's not bad that we have meltdowns. It's not weird that we're confused or that we obsess or we distract ourselves. Like all of this is totally normal because for most of us, we stop developing early on for one reason or another. So here we are, you know, in our childhood experience, whatever it is, and we stopped emotionally developing, maybe because too much responsibility fell on our plates. Maybe we were coddled and our parents didn't actually let us you know, find our way, fall down and pick ourselves up. Maybe there was abuse, maybe there was trauma, maybe there was alcoholism in the home, or maybe it was just like all of us, we grew up in a world that did not teach us how to tend to the nature of our emotional development and tend towards our emotions in a way that didn't have us go into self-sabotage patterns. So I'd say the first step is one, make it okay. And the second step is just to start getting really curious. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, next time that you're feeling super, you know, pissed because you're ghosted by, you know, someone or that you go on another date, like yet another date that you just did not feel connected to, or you're with your boyfriend and you have the same argument and you're just, you know, you're having, you're really upset or really whatever is going on for you. Just take a moment, maybe just go into the bathroom or step outside or whatever you need to do just to check in with yourself. Like, how am I feeling right now? Like, how old do I feel? Like, does this feel familiar? Like I might be 35 and I might feel frustrated that he stood me up or he's a half an hour late, but what does this remind me of? Oh, right. When I was 11, I had this experience, you know, da, 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 da. And the frustration reminds me of that. So just take a moment to check in as to how old do I feel? Does this remind me of something from my past? Yeah, I love that. And that's for any woman, single or in a relationship. Yeah. you know, when we get triggered, that's been a key thing for Stephanos and I in our relationship is when we're not in a triggered state to talk about the, like our, our inner child and our wounding Mm -hmm. and like what, what gets triggered and what comes up because what he, what his 12 year old needs in an argument and what my 12 year old need are two different things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's been, that's been an incredible thing for us to use as a tool for ourselves and with each other. And, you know, there's a question that I probably should have asked in the beginning, um, but I'm asking it now, (laughs) which is what is your definition of extraordinary love? Oh, that's such a good one, Christine. My definition of extraordinary love, it really is because here's the deal. Like we do not need to be perfect, whole or complete, have all of our issues resolved, be fully, you know, therapized and completely, you know, living, living in a 100% state of 
pure bliss consciousness, because that's pretty unattainable. Amen. Amen. (laughs) To me, the definition of extraordinary love is a growth orientation to life and a growth orientation to love. So what that means for me and what that means for Nicholas is that we know and we live in, not only do we know like on a mental level, but our lived experience is that whenever stuff comes up, And we may get into divisiveness, like his 12-year-old, my 12-year-old are acting out and I want this and he wants that. What we know that the, the foundation that we stand on is one, that we are in it together, that our love is big enough to withstand any challenges that we're going through, and that we know that we're in it, we are in it to bridge the gap. So for me, the definition of extraordinary love is a willingness to stay in the game, to keep showing up for love, to keep looking at what's coming up, what's being catalyzed in us, you know, if pain is surfacing, frustration surfacing, and to keep choosing love, to not turn away, run, hide from, disconnect from love. Yeah. And having that growth orientation can move mountains and heal things that have previously felt so stuck and so unhealable. It's so true. I'm getting chills as we're talking because in my relationship, and I'm sure you've experienced this too. And I'd love for you to share how Nicholas helped you heal Mm. things that you could do on your own. There are things that have arisen that I never would have got to on my own. And and there are things that I've been carrying around that I, I knew that were there that I finally was able to complete and let go of because of the, the love that, that I'm experiencing with him. Yeah. Um, so I'd love for you to share how that's been true for you. Yeah. Well, like I was saying at the beginning, I used to have the story that men will always leave. So then I would always call in men that left me. Yeah. And just the more that I've done this work and Nicholas is the proof of it, because from the from the beginning, Nicholas does not waver. He does not leave. And so by, and for the first few years, I fought against that because I didn't trust it. I was convinced that he was going to check out, he was going to bail, he was going to leave, you know, or that he was judging me or, you know, whatever that was. And through the constancy of him being this lighthouse, this pillar of loving support for me, that helped me start softening and letting go of really once and for all that story that I'm going to be left. Mm -hmm. And then in there, it allowed me to start relaxing into like, oh my gosh, like love is here for me. Like I am loved. I am worthy of being loved. I am good enough to be loved. And especially for me, because I had a really profoundly painful history of a lot of sexual abuse that created a deep disconnect for me regarding sexuality and lovability mm-hmm. because I had, I had been, I had to go on automatic for so long yeah. because I thought that men didn't want my heart. They just wanted my sex. Yeah. And Nicholas has also deeply helped me heal that connection by bringing my heart into the sexual equation where he cares more about my heart, heart first, you know, sexual expression second. Yeah. And that to me has been like, it's allowed me to let go of deep, you know, protective patterns, deep, like disassociation patterns, just by feeling the constancy of his loving support, his warm brown eyes gazing at me, (laughs) you know, his loving embrace, especially when I do want to bail or check out and just being able to be with him as he holds solid, as I find my way in those moments that are most, you know, that were most vulnerable for me and still at times are, oh my gosh, the healing, the healing is just profound. It is. It is. And, you know, I used to 
listen to women talk about things like this. And I'd be like, you know, part of me would be like, Oh, I want that. I can't wait. And, and then Mm -hmm. there'd be a piece of me that was like, I don't think I can ever have that. Mm -hmm. And so for the women that (laughs) relate to the latter of like, well, I don't think that I can have that. I've tried, I've tried. I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm almost 70. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too this, what I have kids. Um, I've tried so long, like I've been single for so long, either, either that, or I've been in this marriage for 20 years and I've tried and tried and tried and like, we're never going to get there. What would you say to those women? Well, I would say, you know, for one, just infinite compassion and it's possible. And how do I know that it's possible? There's something that unlocks when we are willing and open, when we have the willingness inside to create a new experience. So even the, oh, it's not, you know, it's not here for me or I'm too, you know, unattractive or too old or too successful or too intimidating, whatever that is, those all link to old stories and old limiting beliefs. And what I found is by doing this work to connect with our hearts, let go of the past, you know, process the emotions that maybe, you know, have been frozen in us for decades to let those go, learn how to connect with ourselves, especially in our time of need to turn towards ourselves when we're hurting, to learn how to speak into what we need and want and express ourselves openly and honestly with another, with our man. All of these are skills that can be learned. All of these also open a pathway to me where it's grace, because above all, you know, there's, there's a surrender in this where it's, you know, thy will be done. I will, you know, I, I am willing to show up for love. I'm willing to do my part and I am willing to surrender and let love in. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is keep going you know, keep going. If it can happen for me, and if you knew, you know, if the listeners here knew the gory details of the abuse, the trauma that I went through as a young woman, and if it can happen for me, and I can wake up inside of this experience over here, you know, eight years into a remarkable, profound relationship, it can happen for anyone. And I, I, I feel this, and I know this, with every ounce of my being, yet it's contingent on a willing, open mind, open heart, and to turn towards that light inside of us that can truly transform anything. And you are absolutely brilliant and exceptionally gifted, both from your own life experience and all the training and studying that you have done to help women call in extraordinary love into their life. You were someone that was a massive stand and help for me calling in my king mm. and and reminding me of who I truly was and pointing out to me when I was calling in men that weren't worthy <laughs> <laughs> in a loving way and 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 just you you are so gifted at this so please share with women everyone listening how they can work with you and learn how to call in this kind of extraordinary love well, I, if you go to foundationsoverextraordinarylove.com, you can learn more about my signature eight-week program. And what this eight-week program is, it's born of, I spent 14 years developing the curriculum of this. I interviewed over, I spent it over a thousand hours interviewing women piecing together, listening to them, like, 
What is it that you want in love? What's not working in love? What is it that keeps you separate from having this loving experience, given how devoted you are to your awakening, your personal discovery work, your healing work, given how much success you've created in the world? I got really curious about the pattern that I started to see that really united these women. And it was it completely mirrored the process that I led myself through, as I mentioned, in my laboratory of love. And so what I did is I, trans, I, I created an eight-week program out of everything that I learned, everything that I saw and what I know to be true in terms of the what it takes to bridge that gap. So what we do in eight weeks, it has the power to completely transform your relationship model, your relationship story, and equip you to enter into either the dating game with completely fresh new eyes and understanding of how to show up in ways where you're not continuing to call in more of what you want, but knowing what to actually look for in a man, we go over what I call your hell yeses and hell noes. Your hell yeses are your absolute must have non-negotiable, can't live without qualities that a man really needs to embody in order for you to be happy. This is not, you know, reinforcing a checklist of, of like, oh, I want him to be six foot two and drive a Maserati and, you know, be a good salsa dancer. And, you know, like that, those in fact, keep us separate from calling in love, but it's like really going through the process of clarifying what are our hell yeses that reflect our values on the deepest level? What are our hell no's? Our hell no's are the red flags that tell us that either we are in an old behavior, we're in an old pattern, or what are the behaviors that tell us that the man in front of us is also enacting an old pattern and we need to like run away. And this also plays out if we are in a relationship as well. I'll show you how to apply this in a relationship. So through this eight week process, you get clear on what you are calling in, you get clear on what you're saying no to, you get clear on how to really transform the lens that you're looking at relationship through. You shine the light on, you have the opportunity to shine the light on these blind spots that we were talking about. So you can really see how much power that you do have to create a new experience in romance. So Mm. it's our uh, program starts June 6th. The next one starts June 6th. It's an online group program for a small group of women. And I know a lot of women are like, oh, I get lost in the crowd in online groups or how can it actually be, you know, meaningful or connected? And, you know, this is something that I've really... um, have given a lot of time and consideration every time I run this program. It's amazing the intimacy and connection that can occur in our weekly calls. We do it on a Zoom format. And it really is like being in a little virtual temple of love together. So, and I make space for every woman to be seen in presence. It's so beautiful. It's really sweet. Well, you're amazing at that. You're amazing at that. And just hold your face in the container for people. And if people are listening after June 6th, but they're like, oh my gosh, I really want to do this program. um, How can they get in touch with you? How can they maybe join a little later? Yeah, they can still go to foundationsofextraordinarylove.com and join the wait list for the next program that'll be rolled out in a few months. Okay, great. But if like, let's say they're listening like maybe June 10th, 12th, they may be able to still squeeze into this one. Is that yeah, possible? Pop me an email. Okay. You know, my email is Gabriella at GabriellaTaylor.com. And maybe we can put that in the, in. Sure. In the show notes. Pop Absolutely. me an email. You know, if it, we, there, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the URL again is foundationsofextraordinarylove.com. Mm-hmm. And if you have a personal question for me and I will make a point of responding to it, email me at Gabriella at GabriellaTaylor.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with my community. Thank you for this work you're doing. I, I truly believe that if every 
woman well really if every person had an extraordinary love in their life the world would be a much different place so it's part of my mission now too because it's just you know it's it's how we really heal those childhood wounds is we we have the extraordinary love as an adult and then we create different children moving forward or parent different kinds of children or parent children differently. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the truth is, you know, in the wise words of the Dalai Lama, it's the Western woman that will save the world. And, you know, what I find is most Western women, the two greatest areas of pain that they get sucked into are emotional drama, emotional distress, emotional discontent, and body dysmorphia, body hatred, turning against their bodies. So by taking our power back in both of these areas, but by really taking our power back and learning how to stand up inside of our radiance, inside of our fullness and express from this place, I strongly believe this is how, this is the path in which the Western woman will help save the world. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for doing your part. Oh, yes. I love you. I love being here. Love you too. So much love to everybody listening. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Mm -hmm.